Good morning. I think we have most people here. Some people may have went down the hill early. Um, I just want to thank you for making this a really pleasurable experience for me. Not only the staff here at Hume, but all of you guys who came to speak to us over the last few days. Some of the things that you've shared with us uh, has been fantastic. It, it's really, you maybe don't realize it, but it's so encouraging sometimes for a speaker to hear some of the things that you share with them. Um, just as, and I'm not asking you all to sort of line up after the meeting, I want to just point that out. Uh, it's, uh, it's, but it's just, it's good because then a speaker knows that they're maybe on the right line, potentially. Um, and the speakers in the room can identify with that, I would imagine. Uh, so, uh, on behalf of uh, Wendy and I, my wife and I, it's just been fantastic to be here. So thank you so much. Um, I hope you forgive me for all of the abuse that I have given you over, over the last number of hours. I hope you do realize that I absolutely love California. I really do. Uh, I want to sort of put that out there before I get stuck into you. No, uh, I absolutely love California. So it's, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I, I don't think I've met too many of you, if any at all, other than people who have been with me and the staff here at Hume, so it's just been great. It's fantastic to know that we're all going to spend eternity together, and isn't it good? Because I travel a lot, and it's just amazing whenever you meet people for the first time that there is an absolute heart connection straight away, instantly. And I, I as well, you, you know I travel. Uh, I'm back home whenever I travel around, and it's just amazing to have that fraternity of brothers. We'd be better get used to each other, because we're going to spend a long time together, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, it's been great. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, we're, think of us, we're leaving straight after the meeting this morning. We'll be traveling for about 24 hours uh, nonstop until uh, we get back home again in Northern Ireland. All right. But we're flying into Southern Ireland. So that's just for the balance of, you know, to be fair to both sides of the community back home. All right. Uh, just in case anybody's listening to this recording. So turn with me one last time. First Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, verses 10 to 15, and uh, I'm just going to read through these six verses for the last time. The context, just to remind you, was that Paul was talking to the infantile church, the church that was still worldly, and so we've focused on that. Uh, you'll know that the first session we were looking at the foundation, the foundation being Jesus Christ, that never changes, that will always be the foundation for each and every one of our lives, but then last night we looked at the the, the idea that you and I are responsible for building the superstructure on top of the foundation, and that superstructure is the good works that you and I will practice, the sanctification theological term for it, as to how we're going to live our lives, yeah? And so this morning, what I want to do is, a, I suppose, a purely educational piece in what those rewards might look like, okay, and then what the suffering loss in verse 15 might look like. So follow me, the six verses that I'm reading, 1 Corinthians 3. 10 through 15. I'm reading from the NIV. I should have said that at the start. Um, so, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. And in the verses that we're looking at this morning, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. 
if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Okay, so straight into verse 14, and I know you've received an awful lot of information this last three or four days, so um, I'm not going to try and take too long this morning, and so just hang on in there for the next 30 minutes just to begin a little bit more information on board so that we're completely saturated with information, but try your, try your best with me if you can. So verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward, okay? And that's really what I want to talk about this morning. What might that look like? So if it survives or remains, the Greek word is meno, um, after being tested by fire, then you will receive a reward. And the Bible talks about rewards. I've already talked about that. Jesus spoke about that. Paul speaks about that. But Paul also speaks about crowns, and we're going to be looking a wee bit at crowns this morning. He also talks about inheritance, and there's different terms that Paul uses in the New Testament to really describe what that is. And I have pointed out yesterday, I want to point it out again, there are many people who might think, sure, reward enough for me is getting to heaven. Now, I really want to stress this morning again, I don't want you missing this at all, is that if Jesus spoke about this regularly, if Paul writes about this in the New Testament regularly, then there has to be a significance in it for us. There has to be. And so I don't think we can ignore some of these things in Scripture. Uh, and, and as a Bible teacher, that's my job to teach you that, and for whoever else gets to listen to me back home, that's my job as a Bible teacher. But it's your job to take what it says in these verses and go home and study them for yourselves and speak to other people and discuss them in your groups in whatever way you happen to do it. So it does not matter who you are. And this is really, really important. There's a couple of really, really important points that we want to get across because if you remember, we talked about this a little bit yesterday in that it doesn't matter if you're in the road 30 years, 40 years, 50 years as a Christian. And, and many people may have been in the road for all those decades of Christianity and have not, you know, have not shown a significant uh, development as a Christian. But sometimes people listen to this type of message and think, oh, it's too late for me because how can I earn my reward in heaven? But I want to take you to the workers in the vineyard parable in Matthew chapter 20. And so often we can look at parables in scripture, earthly story, heavenly meaning, and we can look at them and think, was Jesus just talking for the moment? No, he wasn't. This was Jesus we're talking about. And so whenever we look at any of these parables, we have to look at them in many different contexts. And so if you're not familiar, in Matthew chapter 20, the workers in the vineyard, I'll remind you very, very quickly, in that the workers were employed in the vineyard. Some were employed at six o'clock in the morning, some were employed at nine o'clock in the morning, some at three in the afternoon, some even at five, just to work that one hour of the day. And you remember the story, they were all given one denarius. So they were all rewarded for their labor. And so I take satisfaction in this because if you're in this building today and you're an octogenarian, and I know that's somebody who is in their 80s, and I know that there are people in here that are in their 80s because I've spoke to them, and I'm not singling you out, I'm just saying that it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter who you may be, that this is available to each and every one of us, okay? So it's not a case of, I'm 60 today, it's too late for me. No, no, absolutely no. And if we were absolutely serious about these things today, and unfortunately we lose our life tomorrow, do you not think God in the context of God can sort that out in his mind, knowing how serious you are about things? So it's not about chalking up some sort of like a book where we can get so many things written down, because that takes us back to the ugly sister of religion, yeah? So this is about, are we absolutely determined in the here and in the now? Mark Hitchcock, remember, I promised you another book. 
Mark Hitchcock wrote a book called Heavenly Rewards, and what Mark Hitchcock says is that the life you live today will determine your life in eternity. Okay, so the challenge right here up front in my introduction to this morning is that as we go down the hill today, it's not too late. Okay, so there's some younger guys in the room, fantastic. You've got all your life ahead of you if the Lord doesn't come back and He spares you. But there are many people in the twilight of their lives here in this room. But it doesn't matter if we're whatever age we are, however long we've been saved or on the road, we can be determined absolutely today as we drive down that road that the life that we will live today will determine our life in eternity. Okay, so grasp that thought. So what is reward? I'm going to look at three main areas Okay, and this is from Hitchcock's book, and some of this may stretch your thought processes a little bit. It may stretch your theology even a little bit. And so I want you to take on board just what I think about it and go away and figure it out for yourselves. Is that fair enough? Because I teach a regular class online on a Monday night, and whenever I'm teaching that class, I always say to the guys, look, I'm here to stretch your thinking around theology, okay? Because there's no point in me just telling you something and you just accepting it. Because that's a little frustration that I have because I've grown up in church my entire life and very, very often my theology or what I believed was because the church leadership told me to believe it. Now, if I'm going to that church, chances are that's good theology, that's good, and I should listen to the people who are telling me something. But I'm telling you, as people, we need to go away and discover things for ourselves so that if we're actually asked something, we cannot just say, here's what I believe, but we can say, here is why I believe it, all right? And so I'm only human at the end of the day, so what I'm telling you today, you could actually say, no, that's wrong. And that's okay if that's what, but it's okay as long as you go away and you have an argument to make. Does that make sense? And so that's the challenge that I have. So these three areas, the first one is praise. The first one is praise or a commendation, and our praise will come from God alone. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Do we want to get our well done from God in heaven? I think we do. But I'm going to say that you might miss out on your well done in heaven. Look at the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25 and see what God says to the two faithful servants. You know the parable of the talents whenever the businessman goes away and he leaves five talents with one servant and leaves two talents with another servant and leaves one talent with another servant yet again and the one that has five and the one that has two is really faithful and they put their talents to work and they make five more and two more. You know the story, yeah? And the one who got one decides to bury it because he's worried about the master. What does the master say to those two faithful servants? We can see it Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23, both the same verse because the, 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 he's talking to each of the two servants. Here's what he says. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wouldn't it be fantastic whenever we're rewarded in heaven that we will get a well done from God Almighty? Yeah. Isn't that going to be fantastic? Do you want to miss out on that? Because whenever we get to verse 15, I'm going to suggest that it's possible that we're going to miss out on our well done from our Heavenly Father. And so if we're sitting here this morning, even before we get into what some of the other rewards might look like in heaven, I think above all, isn't it just fantastic to get a well done? Yeah. How often have we craved 
maybe the affection of our parents or someone who should tell us that they're proud of us. I know that from, from my family, my children, that I'm proud of you is much better than a 10-pound note. Sometimes. Sometimes nothing's going to beat the 10-pound note. But you understand what I'm saying? How many people, Chris talked to us about this the other night, how many people have waited decades to hear something that absolutely moved them? Now, you think whenever you get to heaven about how it's going to feel whenever God Almighty says, well done. Now, you think of how bad it's going to feel if you're standing there and you don't get your well done. That's what the Bible is telling us here this morning. The second thing, and I'm racing through this on purpose. I don't want to take too much time this morning. You've listened enough over the last few days. The second thing that Hitchcock talks about is position or co-ruling. Now, I'm going to really stretch you a little bit here because the second reward will be ruling or reigning with Christ in a future eternal kingdom. Now, I think we can accept that piece where we will rule and reign with Christ in a new heaven and a new earth. I could spend all day talking about this one, the theology of a new heaven and a new earth, because I think as Christians, we don't always see what it's actually going to be. Because we will reign, actually, I believe, here on this earth, whenever this earth is recreated to look like it looked in Genesis chapter 1. In fact, if you have an NIV Bible and you open Revelation 22, what does it say at the top of the chapter? It says, Eden restored. So that's actually where we're going to end up at the very end, is actually back here on earth, and a new heaven and a new earth reigning with Christ, okay? So God created man to rule and to reign in the first place. We know that from Genesis. Would everybody accept that? And then man fell. And things changed. But God's future utopia, mankind, will return to reigning with Christ. It's the beauty of getting to read the end of the Bible before we, yeah? Because that's what chapter 22 of Revelation tells us. I love the opening few verses of Revelation chapter 22. I love them. Read those whenever you go home. They're fantastic verses. 2 Timothy 2, first part of verse 12 says that if we endure, we will also reign with him. Remember, Paul was talking to Pastor Timothy, who was the pastor of the churches in Ephesus at the time. And he says that if we endure, speaking to the church, we will also reign with him. him. So is there, is there an inference to what it is that we'll actually be doing? Revelation 2, 26, whenever Jesus is speaking to one of the churches of Revelation, this particular church was the church of Thyatira. And here's what Jesus said at the end of the letter to the church in Thyatira. He says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Okay, let me stretch things for you here because you're probably about to be stretched in your theology and what I'm about to say. Okay? If you don't agree, that's fine. Blame a Hitchcock. I think he's an American, so we're going to blame an American for this one, all right? <laughs> so the positions of authority, now I just go home and figure this out for yourselves. The positions of authority are being determined now as to how we are living. The stewardship of our time, our opportunity, our resources, and how we live will determine what it is I believe we will do in a new heaven and a new earth. Because let's look at the parable of the minas. And this is really the same parable that we were looking at a minute ago in Matthew chapter 25. We're now looking at it in Luke chapter 19. Go with me, verses 16 to 19. And remember, whenever Jesus spoke the heavenly story, the earthly story with the heavenly meaning, what exactly did Jesus mean? And here's what he says. The first one came to him, Sir, my, your mina has earned ten more. 
Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your minna has earned five more. His master answered, You take care of five cities. Now, is it possible? Question now, theological teacher right now. Is it possible that how we live here on earth, one of the things that we could be rewarded with is actually what we will do in a new heaven and a new earth? Some sort of a position of authority and how we will manage in that position. Does that kind of make a little bit of sense to you? So let me, go, let me challenge you to go home and read and study that for yourselves. And I know that that's probably stretching so many of you out of shape right now. And I don't apologize for that. It's my job to teach what I believe the Bible's saying. You're job to decide if what I'm telling you is right. Is that fair enough? So reigning with Christ means authority over the nations. And remember, this is not about the so-called heavyweights in God. The televangelists, the Reinhard Bunkies of this world, the Billy Grahams, and those guys are fantastic, don't get me wrong, but what about the little lady who pointed you to the Lord, for example? I was sharing a story in Joe's church last Sunday about the 1859 revival in Ulster, and the 1859 revival in Ulster started when a little lady called Mrs. Colville from the northeast of England, in 1856, God told her to go to North, uh, North Antrim and to, to knock on doors and present the gospel. And she felt that she could do that because she had time and money to spare. Fantastic. 160 years ago, a married lady from the northeast of England, that wasn't easy to get to the north coast of Northern Ireland, as it is now in the north coast of Ireland then. And she pointed a guy to, well, actually, she didn't even realize she had. She had a discussion. She went home discouraged because she had a discussion with a, with a guy and three ladies in their home before she left discouraged because she felt that nothing had happened when she was there, but there was a guy called James McCulkin, gave his life to the Lord two or three days after she left by what, this, what she had told him. And him and three other guys prayed in basically the revival of 1859, where about 7% of the population gave their life to Jesus Christ. 7% of the population of North America is 23 million, by the way. Yeah? And it's almost 3 million in the great state of California. So look, I'm not here to tell you about revival in Ireland. I'm telling you that this world is yet to see one man completely sold out for God. Yeah? And so we need to be faithful. This isn't about the Bible teacher standing up here who might travel the world preaching the gospel. I, I am no better than any person sitting in this room right now if you are sold out for God. None whatsoever. And sometimes people think, oh, well, he's got it all sorted out. Do you know what? If you're faithful in your servant, you get a, your service, you get up each and every day, you serve God to the best of your ability, you point out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people that you work with, you don't have to have a position. In fact, it's more difficult for me, and I'm not trying to put myself up on a pedestal because James chapter 3, verse 1 says that I'm going to be judged more harshly because I'm a Bible teacher. That's a serious thing. Yeah? And so therefore, Each and every day we get up, we serve God. doesn't matter what age we are because this is for the here and now. Are we going to serve God today which will determine what we do in eternity? The third thing, privilege or crowns. And I'm sure you're familiar with the crowns in Scripture. Did you know that there are five crowns mentioned in the Bible? Five different crowns that people can be rewarded with. I'm just going to go through these very, very quickly if you're taking notes. Uh, for the purpose of the tape, and tell you what the crowns are. I'm not going to go into teaching you the various attributes of each of the crowns. So here are the five crowns of your taking notes. The incorruptible or imperishable crown. 
1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 talks about that, okay? Just pausing because I see people writing it down. And do you know what those crowns are for, or that crown is for? That crown is for self-control, discipline, and for those who can master temptations of the flesh. And so would you understand and agree with me that you may not get that crown if you don't show self-control, don't show discipline, or you're unable to master temptations of the flesh. So it's not a given that we all get these crowns, by the way. Crown number two, the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. And forgive me for pausing. I see many people writing these things down. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, the crown of righteousness. And what that is about is about a life, about living a life of righteousness, of intense desire to please the Father. Now, righteousness can mean many different things in Scripture, but this is the righteousness that is talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the righteousness whenever, whenever Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. This is the same as the Beatitude, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. This is the righteousness that tells you and I if we have that intense desire to please the Father. Yeah? The intense desire to please the Father. Is that what motivates us first thing in the morning? I keep going back to first thing in the morning. When we get out of bed, do we want to please God today? Do we want to please God tomorrow? Is that what motivates you? That right there will give you a good insight as to what you're building your life with. And we talked about that last night. Third crown, the crown of life. And this is the sufferer's or the martyr's crown. Mentioned in James chapter 1, verse 12, or Revelation 2, verse 10. Okay, so for those, again, taking, taking notes, the crown of life, James 1, 12, Revelation 2, 10. Okay, the sufferers are the martyrs' crown. We don't want to be martyrs, I would imagine, but many people today will give their life for Jesus Christ. Many people, hundreds, thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people today will give their life for Jesus Christ. In countries where they wouldn't dream of backing out of it. Remember we talked about this last night. How many people would be sitting in this room if we knew gunmen were going to come to those doors? People do it all over the world. People memorize the Bible so that the one copy that the church has, they can rewrite it whenever or if they lose it. That's commitment, isn't it? So they memorize the Bible so that whenever they are incarcerated, they've got the Bible in here. They've got the Bible in here. But this is also about the sufferer's crime because many people will suffer immensely for what their faith is. And people can suffer in so many different ways, even here in the Western world. And it's how we react to the suffering that actually you might receive this crown for as a result of that. Number four, crown number four, the crown of rejoicing. And that's for soul winners. 1 Thessalonians 2.19 Philippians 4.1. Okay, and I'm pausing just again so people can get that down. The crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, Philippians 4.1. For soul winners. Okay, that's, that should be obvious enough as to what that is for us, yeah? And then the final one is for pastors, elders, and church leaders only who faithfully oversee God's people and that is known as the crown of glory. The crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. 
the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4. You might think, well, what significance have these crowns got? And I want to put, before I tell you that, I want to tell you that not everyone will receive one of these crowns. And that should, that should scare us, guys. Do you want to know why? Because I'm going to tell you now, it's clear in Scripture what the crowns are for. At number five, First uh, Peter 5, 1 through 4, for the crown of glory. Everybody got that? Yeah? Uh, rejoicing was 1 Thessalonians 2, 19, Philippians 4, 1. Anybody else in the room want to just catch a verse there? That Nope, we're, we're all good. The first one? The first crown. The incorruptible or imperishable crown, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. So what will happen to these crowns? Now, you know these verses that I'm about to read, these guys. I'm just trying to bring this all together for you this morning. Revelation 4, 10 to 11 tells us about these crowns. The 24 elders, it's interesting whenever we read about those elders, by the way. Those elders are humans, I believe. So who are those elders? Is that a reward? Remember whenever the disciples' mother spoke to Jesus, can my son sit on your left and your right? That's not to say it about me. So who's sitting on the left and the right of Jesus? Think about, this is all about reward, guys, some of the things that I'm talking to you about. And so the 24 elders fall down before him who sits in the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay or they cast their crowns before the throne and say, you're worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being in you. Isn't that fantastic? And so if we have these crowns, if, then what we do is that we worship God by casting them in front of him. That's what the crowns are for. And again, are you going to miss out on your well done? Are you going to miss out on what it is that you're actually going to do in heaven? And are you going to miss out by having some of the crowns that we've talked about to cast before God and worship of him? How are we going to feel if we're standing there and we don't have anything to worship God with? And you might think what I'm saying is pie in the sky, but I'm telling you stuff that I'm reading from Scripture here this morning, and I hope that I'm backing it up from Scripture here this morning, and you can go home and you can figure these things out for yourself, but this is how I see it. And I'm sure, as men in this room, the last thing that we would want would be standing before Christ and have nothing to worship Him with. That's significant for me. Absolutely significant for me. And that's why verse 15, as we're going on to now, just as we start to round this whole thing up, that's why for me, verse 15 is one of the most significant verses in the New Testament. Okay, and I know that everything's significant. All right, let me just say that before we go on. Back home, I always tell people, here's my favorite verse for today. And it's usually a different one than the day before. And people, people keep me going about it, actually, back home. So I've stopped saying it now because I just love all of it. Okay, so for this morning, even though this is a really, really difficult verse, it's my favorite for today, okay? Why? Because this will challenge me, and hopefully it will challenge you, because verse 15 says that if what we've built, remember what we've already talked about, if what we built is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. That's significant, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm telling you that's what the Word of God says. 
And here is the clearest statement yet that salvation is by grace alone and can never be of works. Now, we covered that yesterday morning. I don't need to cover it again. You know that I absolutely believe 100% that uh, salvation is purely justification by faith alone. And we all accept that, I would hope. We cannot earn it. But here's a verse telling me that absolutely I cannot earn it. The Bible tells me that I have to believe it. I have to accept it. And then I can be saved as a result of it, but can I never can earn it. But what this verse is absolutely clarifying for me is that I can be saved and just about stumble through the gates of heaven. Now, you people think that in the wrong sense, as in, sure, that's okay then. No, I actually think we should take that as such a significant challenge to our lives that we don't stumble through heaven and somehow trip over the gate. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's not how I want to live my life. And I understand the American culture. I do because I've been here for many years. And I know that's not how Americans think. Yeah? That's why you're so good at sport. That's why you're so good at everything that the world has to offer because you have this determination to be the best at everything. And that's okay, by the way. That's absolutely okay. And so why not be the best Christians in the world as well? Why not? So the first sentence here is, it is, if it is burned up. Now, we know we're just, I'm just sort of recapping here. The superstructure here will either survive the fire or it'll be burned up or a mixture of both. Remember we talked a little bit about that because we can be building our lives with a number of the metaphors that Paul used. But remember again, I need to clarify this this morning. This is not about confessed sin, okay? Okay, don't be worried about that because whenever we confess our sins to Jesus Christ, the blood that he shed on the cross, the propitiation, remember we used that word, as to the atoning sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us, we, our sins is covered. But this is about what we do with God. This is about how we act whenever we have God in our lives and the opportunities that we don't take for him. And, and we will have to give an account of that. And I've already said that, whether good or bad, whilst you have been in the body. And so verse 14 promised a reward if what we have built survives. But this verse here right now states clearly that the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. And so if we're saved, then what can that loss be? That doesn't make sense, does it? Whenever we haven't looked at it, but think about it. So how can I go to heaven and yet somehow suffer a loss? It doesn't make sense in terms of what we think theologically, does it? And so we, I think we need to go to the Greek in order to get a little bit of an understanding of this because the Greek word for suffer loss here is the, works, uh, is the word semio. And it means, here's what it means. Are you ready for this? Everybody listen. If you've fallen asleep, wake up right now because here's what suffer loss means. It means to be put to disadvantage or to experience detriment. This is heaven we're talking about. I think I'm stretching you theologically this morning, am I? That's my job as a Bible teacher. And so do I want to be somehow put to a disadvantage or to experience a detriment when I get to heaven? No. What do we want to be in America? The best Christians in the world. Can I be an honorary American this morning? Y'all? Can I wear it? A Stenson or a 10-gallon hat? Someone had one on yesterday. They're not wearing it today. 
have you went home? You've been spotted. <laughs> You're not here. But do I want to be put at a disadvantage? Do I want to experience detriment? Do I want to miss out on God's well done? Do I want to not have any crowns to throw and cast at Jesus' feet to worship Him in heaven? No? Well then, guys, we've got to start building with gold, silver, and costly stones. Can you see how we've come right around to the start of this teaching? That's why I love to teach in blocks. I love to start with summer and go a full circle and see the lights come on. Your lights have come on because you've got one in your jacket. Yeah? Stop laughing, you're in church. And it's Sunday. That's a double no for laughing. Church on Sunday, not allowed to laugh. Do you know what? This will be non-negotiable and God's verdict will be final. I'm telling you. You and I, we will be fully aware of what's happening and we will be... There, you're trying to sell me broadband again. You're going to have to get this sorted out, Jason. Honest to goodness. I don't want it. I'm going home. Sorry, I do have it. Complimentary. Thank you very much. (laughs) Should point that out. You and I will be fully aware of what's happening, and we will be ashamed, but only for the moment in time, as when we get to the eternal kingdom, there will be no sorrow, but only joy. I think it's really important to point this out, because yes, we may suffer a detriment. Yes, we may be put at a disadvantage. When we're being judged at the beam of of Christ, we will absolutely know what that means. We will be ashamed for it, but whenever we enter our eternal kingdom, we will have joy, and we will have happiness, because there is no sorrow in heaven, but yet we we know that the verse says that this will have an eternal consequence. So we may not be sad about it. Yes, we'll be ashamed in that moment in time, but this will have an eternal consequence for all of eternity. Now, don't tell me to explain what that looks like because I don't understand that, the significance of that piece. I absolutely know that whenever we walk in that eternal kingdom, we will not be sad, disappointed. Uh, we will only be full of joy and happiness. There will be no sickness, no pain, none of those things. But yet there will be an eternal significance in what I'm talking about. So we need to sort it out down here right now. Yeah? You will be saved. And as the verse says, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Do you want to turn up to heaven smelling of hell? Significant? Do you want to turn up smelling of smoke? And so three things this verse is not. And then we're going to conclude... We're going to pray, and then we're going to hand back to the guys. This verse is not to encourage presumption. I've already covered that. In other words, it doesn't matter how I live. I hope that I've covered that well. I don't need to talk any more about that. Is that okay? The second thing that this verse is not about is it's not about purgatory. The Catholic Church used to claim that this verse was the one that they could prove purgatory from. Purgatory is not in the Bible. Okay? Well, I visited Canada a couple of years ago. Only joking! I preached up in Canada a couple of years ago. I started believing in two things, evolution and purgatory. I'm only joking. Any Canadians in the room? I have some really good Canadian friends. I need to say that if they're listening to this on tape. Only joking, guys. So this is not about purgatory. Okay, that's a significant thing to remember. And this verse is not about punishment because it's the work that will be burned up and not the person. 
Okay, so let's conclude to see what it is that we can do whilst here on earth, yeah? And I think we've covered it all, haven't we? I'm sure you're fed up listening to me. Isaiah 43, 2. This is whilst we're here, guys. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will set you ablaze. So this is about our life now that indicates that actually that when we should walk through the fire is down here right now. And that's what the suffering piece is about. That's about us looking at the things that we face and dealing with them correctly because we actually have to suffer the loss here. Yeah? This has to be about the old man dying now. Okay? In our lives now. And guess what? Each and every one of us have lumps of flesh that have to be taken off. We have to. And, don't, and accept the process. Okay? Because it's so easy sometimes whenever we get into a difficult circumstance that we actually try to solve it for ourselves. And I'm not telling you that, I'm not saying that we don't have our ability to solve problems, but I'm saying that if God is allowing us to go through some stuff, actually sit back and praise God in the circumstance, not for the circumstance, and recognize what God is doing in our lives. Because everything, everything that happens to each and every one of us in this room is not about now. It's about the eternal kingdom. And I think we need to switch that thing in our head to actually realize that, that we're only here for 70, 80, 90, or 100 years if God really blesses you here on earth. But if you can wake up each morning and recognize that each and every day you're preparing for your eternal kingdom, which lasts forever, by the way. Yeah? And so that's why this is so significant. And that's why we suffer the loss in the here and now so that whenever we get to heaven, whenever we get to that beam of seat of Jesus Christ, whenever we stand before him and give him, a, give him an account of what we've done whilst in the body, whether good or bad, that actually it's good. That actually, whenever we've been tested, that we've been proven to have built our lives with gold, silver, costly stones and not wood, hay and straw. Yeah? And I hope that you have been challenged these last three sessions, these last six sessions. Two things I want to do very, very quickly. You've had to listen to a lot. First thing, I've been a firefighter for 27 years, retired now. We used to do, whenever we were looking for people in fires, we did our primary search and then we did our secondary search. There's a verse in the book of Jude, verse 23, that says, snatch others from the fire and save them. I think it would be remiss of me if I didn't give you the final opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ as your own and personal savior before we leave this mountain. Yeah? Okay. So I just, like before, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, you see where I'm looking. Anybody? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? We're going to pray in a wee minute. Anybody else in this section? I'm looking in the first six rows here. I'm looking in the next middle six rows. Anybody there? Okay, I'm looking at the back six rows in this block. If anybody else sees somebody that I don't see, wave. And so I'm coming over here. Anybody in these front six rows? Anybody in the middle block here? Anybody in the back? 
I don't. There's nobody up the stairs this morning. Brian, come on. Can can somebody pray with this guy after the service? Is anybody with him? Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Make sure that that gets done, please. Yeah. I said to Wendy last Wednesday, we traveled on Thursday. Uh, I've been speaking in different parts of California over these last few days. We're tired. We've done a lot of miles. I said last Wednesday, why would God take me to the United States of America when there's 330 million Americans? Surely other people can do that. Do you know what? It doesn't matter if I've had to travel 6,000 miles. People have given their lives to Jesus Christ here this weekend. People give their lives to Jesus last weekend. And it's nothing, it's, please, it's nothing to do with me. I can assure you that. But this is how I am faithful to God because this is what God has called me to do. But how can you be faithful to God because what God has called you to do? And so the challenge as you go down the mountain before I hand back is please don't just treat this with conference mentality. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? This is the easiest place in the world to serve God. Apart from the sin of gluttony. You can laugh at that. That was a joke. Yeah? But this is the easiest place to serve God. You know what I'm saying? See, tomorrow morning, whenever you remember the co-worker that God gives you to help your patients, whenever you're sitting beside them tomorrow morning, oh, that's when you're going to get tested. All right? So be ready for it. So the challenge is, let's be the best Christians the world has ever seen.